This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Here, here. Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, John Martellero of the Mac Observer returns. We'll hear a little bit later from Kirk McElhern, sometimes known as the iTunes guy, and sometimes in rant mode. We're not sure which this time. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. So we have our list of talking points from John, but I thought I'd surprise him with something that you... (laughs) I love these. (laughs) Okay, he has no idea what I'm going to say, and I'll tell you what, John, I do not either. So here's what we're going to talk about. So about a week or so ago, Microsoft comes out with its quarterly profits, and we go to the Surface line, which is tablets notebook computers and this surface studio and i I think it's like 1.2 billion or 1.3 billion dollars it's a decline of two percent i saw that so one media outlet calls the sales reports resilient it's only two percent down another says he's reached that figure which reach means going up not going down any way to avoid putting a negative spin on news that in tune with the overall PC industry, surface sales are down. The way I think of it is Tesla. I remember there was a time when Tesla was having terrible financial problems. They were losing money, but their vision was clear. And I think the way to look at this in my mind is that 2% is negligible, which within reporting margins, and um, you can't get excited about a slight decrease when the products are so visionary and so helpful to customers that it's surely going to happen that the products are going to continue and Microsoft is going to get better and the sales are going to go up. And, And so I resist this uh, knee-jerk reaction to say, well, look, sales are down 2%. All the service products are a failure. Ha ha, Apple's superior. We told you so. I'm not going to buy that. It's we don't know that. The point being here is that surface sales haven't grown much, and we don't know what's going to happen there because Microsoft claims that a record number of people have switched from the Mac. But I'm also wondering how many people have switched from other PC makers how much of those sales are cannibalizing other PC companies? That's number one. And number two, we go back to Mac sales, where Apple sold $7.2 billion, a little under 5.4 million Macs sold during the December quarter. And Tim Cook says, and this is something he says all the time, more than half of the people who bought Macs are new to the platform. They are Windows switchers. There's such a big market to carve out of. I, I don't remember the exact number. Forgive me, but, you know, something like 5 million Macs are sold every quarter. 
and something like 100 or 150 million PCs are sold every quarter. So if you take a tiny slice out of those PC users and add them to the max, it looks pretty impressive, but it's a small bite out of the PC market. It makes you wonder, also in the long run, why are half of the buyers coming over from Windows, why aren't there more buyers refreshing their Macs? Well, there's no new Macs to buy except for the MacBook Pro Touch Bar, which I heard referred to in the earnings report as the MacBook Touch. Still haven't heard anybody weigh in on that, but that's what Tim Cook said. When a company doesn't tell you the details, they don't want you to know the details. So they take generalized trends and look at the bright side of the data, submerse the damning details, and say something positive about their product. That's marketing. That's what you always do. That's the other side of the coin of this 2% drop on Microsoft's side. You, you, you can't let companies you know, be effusive and positive about their products and then turn around and say, well, 2% decline means Microsoft's doomed. Just can't do both. 2% is, well, they're not going much of anywhere. I would leave it there. I wouldn't say resilient. Resilient how? That's probably not much different than other PC makers. When you say, though, it reached that number, <laughs> that's the reverse. The, the point here the, is Mac sales were slightly higher. So, as you say, it could be a little bit one way or the other. Yeah. First of all, the, the Surface Studio sent thunderous waves through the Mac community, from my readings. And it's just, it's a new product, and it's just getting started, and it has some difficulties from what people have told me. I mean, it's not perfect, but the concept has sent thunderous waves through the community, and that alone is sufficient to say where there is reason for optimism about what Microsoft is trying to do. Now, if it continues to decline, which I don't think it'll do, but if Surface products go down next year, is this quarter or year over year? This is quarterly sales, and it's therefore year over year. The previous year, they didn't have the Surface Studio, did they? No, they didn't. Okay, so so even though they have the Surface Studio... It didn't make that much of a difference in sales. The key being, it's an interesting concept. The question is, it's still an expensive concept. And how many people really need one and how many people are going to buy a computer that starts at three grand? It could be 2% of the total market, but it could be perhaps 20% of the available market for engineers, CAD designers, content creators, artists, and so on. Well, of course, it also raises the question here, does this prove that Apple is wrong about not having a Mac with a touchscreen? I don't know. Yeah, I described these two approaches as duels of each other. It's sort of like the wave-particle duality we read about in high school physics. Is it a wave? Is it a particle? Well, it's a particle that acts like a wave under certain circumstances. So Microsoft has its vision, and we'll probably get into this later in the show, but one of the things that's true about this is that Built-in obsolescence for Windows 10 is, is not designed into the systems. Windows 10 has within it the touch capability. So you can put Windows 10 on a classic desktop. You can put Windows 10 on a Surface tablet. You can put Windows 10 on a Surface Studio and operate it with a keyboard and mouse or operate it with a Surface dial or operate it with a pen. So unlike Mac OS, which seems to be showing signs of being locked into the old metaphor, Microsoft is carrying Windows 10 forward as an operating system on all platforms. 
And that's the reason why I wrote one of the articles we may discuss called Apple's Multiple OS Family used to be a good idea. So in that sense, I admire Microsoft for what they're doing with the Surface Studio concept and what they're doing with having a single operating system that is tailored to the different physical device around the display size and its mobility. I think it's kind of cool myself. And I kind of regret the idea that without touch capability, Mac OS seems doomed to be relegated to history unless Apple does something interesting, which I just talked about with a former Apple employee on my own podcast. And that is, could Apple, you know, Apple made this fabulous transition from a Motorola to PowerPC in the 90s. And then they went from PowerPC to Intel in 2000, was it? It was announced in the WWDC 2005, and the transition occurred right. in 2006. And then they had the Rosetta interpreter that allowed you to run your PowerPC Mac apps on Intel boxes. Apple's very good at this kind of thing. It's conceivable in my mind, and I just got a verification from this former Apple employee, that it's technically possible to run Mac apps in iOS through some sort of Rosetta interpreter so that you can run that Mac app on an ARM processor under your iOS. And so that could be the salvation of the Mac operating system going forward. Well, one of these days, instead of having a Surface Studio, we'll have a giant 28-inch iPad running iOS with all its security. And then we'll have an interpreter system in there so that we can run our classic Mac apps in iOS. Could happen. Well, that raises other questions which we can get into. We have John cool. Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night High Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow 
allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-615-7709. That's 800-615-7709. 800 615 7709. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries, from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. The answer to being in control of your own healthcare is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So, John Martellaro talking about some interesting possibilities running Mac apps on ARM processor with iOS. Remember, iOS and Mac OS are too closely related. iOS is a fork of Mac OS. That's right. They basically come off the same core. Let's get into more of this right now. But first, I want to tell you that we have a special feature of the show. And this is the numeral uno, number one best way to support this show. And to show your support, you join Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus at technightowl.com, where you can order up the commercial-free version of the show for a modest subscription fee. So there's nothing unusual for Apple about running apps in emulation on a different processor. We had Rosetta 
we had the emulation mode in the original Power PC chips when it moved up from the original Motorola processors on the Mac. The question I have here, though, is at what cost? If you could run Mac apps on iOS, and as you say, it's just a fork of Mac OS, how well, much here's, performance here's, do you give up to go from the Intel to the ARM processor? Well, there's always a little bit of hit. Uh, I don't remember what the hit was in the original Rosetta, but it wasn't a whole lot. And with the fast processors that we have nowadays, I don't think it would be a problem. So you said at what cost? Here is the issue. I saw a fascinating article by Marco Arman the other day, which I saved. And he looked at the sales of iPads as a you know platform, as a substitute for a notebook computer. We won't talk about iPhones because we don't need to think about iPhones as a substitute for our portable computation devices. But there's a lot of discussion about, and you'll see articles where somebody says, I ditched my MacBook Pro, I use an iPad Pro. So if you look at the sales of the iPads, they're going down depressingly, quarter over quarter, year over year. But if you look at the sales of the Macs, they're pretty, they're pretty constant and even up slightly. So there appears to be a continued hunger for Apple's Macintosh line. Gee, how many Macs could they have sold if they'd had iMacs and, and other Macs to sell during the, the quarter? It might have really shot the, uh, the sales of the Macs up if they'd refreshed their iMacs, say, late in 2016 and refreshed maybe the Mac Mini, who knows. But the fact that they barely raised their Mac sales says, well, they sold a whole lot of MacBook Pro touch bars to make up for it. But what could they have done? Marco's article says basically, maybe we're overthinking this. Maybe the Mac isn't done yet. Maybe there's life in the MacBooks Pros and the MacBooks that customers are telegraphing to Apple. And there's always that worrisome thing about how the iPad may not be the future after all for various reasons. One, it hasn't grown technologically a lot. Two, it has a very long shelf life. There are people who are still using their iPad 2s. People, we were talking this morning in one staff meeting about how our observations that once people buy an iPad, that tends to last a long time and they use it until it breaks, which could be, you know, three, four, five years. We gave my sister-in-law... An iPad 3, which is, I don't know, 2012 or something 12, like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's five, almost five years, four and a half years. And it's running fine. She has no problems with it. She's still on the original battery. I don't think she uses it heavily enough to recharge it as often as it would require to get a new battery. But here's the thing about it. And this is so interesting. So we have, with a new touch bar, we have... A MacBook Pro with two operating systems and two processors. And now there's a rumor out there that takes us to a related area where Apple might be coming up with another one of these ARM chips that's going to handle power nap I on the Mac. That. Okay, so more and more functions are being pushed off to ARM and iOS. Just like they did in the A10 processor for the iPhone, where you have a high power and a low power processor? Sure. They're putting more and more functions there. And I don't know what this does other than maybe increases battery life, or maybe it puts them on a further path towards ultimately Oh, it does all moving. sorts of good things. It improves the battery life. It right. sets the stage for 
possibly converting over to uh, ARM processors. That's what I was about to say. So this is, as I was saying, this is taking us the intermediary step here where you have low-level functions moving to ARM and run by iOS. And this is taking us part of the way towards ultimately switching to ARM processors on the Mac. But here are a couple of things. We have obviously the somewhat or slight loss running in emulation mode. And then things like virtual machines, boot camp. And I don't know how many Mac users care about that, but I bet a lot of Windows users switching care about it because they can still run their Windows apps and eventually migrate to all Mac apps or mostly Mac apps, but it's an important feature. So if you're going to go all ARM, do you leave an Intel processor in there just to do that stuff? Or do you ultimately, which gets expensive, or do you have a way to make the ARM processor so powerful that it could run the Intel operating system, the Windows operating system, with not much loss? I think it's just the beginning of that process. Uh, you can imagine a situation where you would have uh, an Intel processor that that is supplemented by the ARM processor, so the Intel processor doesn't have to be as power-hungry. Then as the ARM processor grows in power, it becomes like an equal partner. And that opens the door to a situation where you could run uh, your traditional Mac apps, and then you could run apps that are compiled for ARM if the developer so wishes and runs on the ARM processor alone. And if that starts to take off, then you'd have a hybrid machine that could run ARM-compiled Mac apps and Intel-compiled Mac apps. Opens a lot of doors. Also should scare the heck out of Intel. Well, a lot of the issues here with upgrading Macs has been Intel is getting slower and slower with their processor upgrades. And worse, the differences Mm -hmm. don't amount to much. Mm -hmm. Well, we're kind of running into some technical limits, I think. Uh, Moore's Law has served us well over the years. But I read an article years ago, and I don't know if it's true anymore, but they talked about how when you get into the limit of somewhere around a 10 nanometer production process, you have bleed. It's hard to isolate those electrons and their electrical states in a system where there's the, the, the conduction lines are so close together. So it's a real trick. I think we're down to, what, 12 nanometer production process now? Well, there's also probably the what's going to have to happen, John, is some new technology is going to have to be discovered to take us beyond the wall that they've hit. Intel Mm -hmm. clearly has hit a wall. Apple knows it. And either it's more efficient, as it probably is, to have this twin processor thing, and it could be a way station, but it also could be a warning to Intel. We're going to make this work. We're talking to John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Have you ever wanted a shortcut to getting the underground secrets to making money online and seriously grow your business? Whether it's a new business, a part-time income, or an existing business, you have this incredible limited offer to get a copy of this Amazon best-selling book on dot-com success for free. Uncover the success factors to make your business ignite. Go to secretsignite.com. That's secretsignite.com. Get your free copy now. Go to secretsignite.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Honey, what is that in your CPAP mask? Oh, that's just my mold collection. Oh, gross! And what is that? What, that bacteria colony right there? Yeah, cool, huh? Okay, CPAP users, admit it. You're not always as careful about cleaning your system as you should be. Unfortunately, a dirty mask and hose can make you sick. Respiratory infections, allergy attacks, and more. But now there's an easy way to protect yourself. SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of CPAP germs in minutes. For a limited time, you can try it risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-944-1065. SoClean is hands-free. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP comes out clean and fresh in minutes. Don't let germs wreak havoc on your health. Call in the next 10 minutes for your risk-free trial. 1-800-944-1065. That's 1-800-944-1065. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves, home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn how easily expandable the system is. Solark is the most affordable and powerful solution on the market. The whole system even fits in the back of a pickup or SUV and can install in less than an hour. See for yourself why Solark beats other off-grid systems at PortableSolarLLC.com. Don't wait for the government. Go to PortableSolarLLC.com to learn why Solark is energy insurance for your family.
Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us. And we were talking here about where the Mac is going and what might happen now that Apple is putting two operating systems and two processors on the new MacBook Pros. And where does that take it? And is that the way station to going all the way? Interesting to see. Somebody told me they saw a screenshot of a MacBook Pro with touch bar. And the touch bar was in a kernel panic state. <laughs> and I asked him to send me the photo. <laughs> as you said, it's an ARM processor with a, like a watch OS operating system in there. And it could kernel panic, something we don't see anymore. But that was fascinating. <laughs> you know, and this is also stuff that the PC makers can't do. You see, Microsoft is taking one capability that's on the Mac, which is the ability to run touch screens, and exploiting it with the Surface Studio. Will Apple find a way to do that? Or, as you say, we're going to have a generation of iPads that run Mac apps? How's that going to work? Well, there's, there's several elements here. One, one is, what's the lifetime going forward of the, of the Mac? And what is Apple's attitude towards it? As you said in the previous segment, how much money does Apple want to spend preserving the, the Macintosh subsystem infrastructure app universe and so on? Apple has shown a certain briskness and relentlessness in moving forward. But as I mentioned in the previous segment, Mac sales are still strong. There's still $7 billion per quarter. That's what, $28 billion a year. That's bigger than Raytheon Aerospace. So that's a business you don't want to really give up yet. If I had to bet, I would suspect that Apple would say, we're not going to phase out the Mac relentlessly and, and brutally to the disgust and annoyance of our huge customer base, 100 million customers. We're going to gracefully move forward and allow them, the Mac apps to survive in a new environment. If I had to guess, that's the, thing, that's the way I think they would go. And Apple has the technical expertise and experience to do that. So that would be nice. Okay, but what does Apple do with regard to the iPad? If people keep them for five years, like they're doing with Macs. You know, I have a MacBook Pro here that's nearly seven years old and it runs fine. I just changed from a regular hard drive to a solid-state drive, adds some memory, and it's fine. It's in good shape and performs well enough that I don't worry about the fact at this point that it doesn't have a retina display. And a lot of Mac users are doing that. Now, with the iPad, obviously, Apple is giving the proper positive spin. Well, you know, we have great things coming on the iPad. Okay, so what are the great things? What does Apple do with the iPad? Uh, th does it make it more Mac-like, as you say, can run Mac apps? What else? I think it has to be larger screens. Right now, the problem is, from my readings, is, is that there are lots of Apple customers who find a phablet, a five-and-a-half-inch screen, big enough. It's big enough to read a Kindle book. It's big enough to go shopping. It's big enough to do all the things that they want to do on a phone, and they don't see the reason why they should have a five-and-a-half-inch iPhone 
and a 9.7 inch iPad in the mix as well. And so the way forward with the iPads is to make the iPad the real future. I'm sitting here in front of a Hewlett Packard display that's 34 inches across. And if a device is going to be the future, it has to be kind of device that we can gloriously work on big screens with going into the future. So right now, the biggest iPad you can buy is 12.9 inches. I have one. It's iPad Pro. But then the, the shocker was when basically Microsoft came out with the Surface Studio, which is a 28-inch iPad, if you think about it. And so if Apple's going to appeal to customers who don't need a 9.7-inch iPad and, and they feel like the future is iOS, there has to be dramatic changes in the future. Design of the iPads, they have to be bigger, they have to better interface, they have to be able to back up to a perhaps back up to a, a home system in addition to the cloud. They have to be able to do a whole lot more. Because if Apple's just going to sit there with incremental changes, you know, a little bit better display, you know, some trickery, you know, night shift, better color gamut, you know, a 10-inch screen, then the iPad's just going to continue to decline in sales, in my opinion. So it has to be our workhorse, and it has to do more and evolve faster. So you're talking about a bigger, better, more expensive iPad well, to grab yeah, we, pieces well, of the business market. Many, many people have 21 and 27-inch iMacs. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to say, well, the Mac is old-fashioned and dying and aging technology, but you can buy a 27-inch display iMac, which is fabulous and fast and has SSDs and great graphics and has a 5K display. If you're going to say that's old-fashioned, and that's dying technology. What are you going to replace it with? Show me what you got. Show me what you got in terms of a 12-inch display doesn't cut it in my mind. Right? It's got to go the other way. So you're taking it the yeah. other direction than what some people suggest, which is they want to see something cheaper. Because you got all those cheap tablets already. Like my son has a Kindle. What's he do on it? Well, he watches Netflix. That's it. One purpose, he sits there and it's his TV set. He's lying in bed, doesn't want to use a TV because there's one TV in the living room. There are two people living in that home. He wants to have a TV for himself. So he made this cheap tablet TV. Well, so you have that wants, class of tablet, which is just media consumption. Watch, everybody who wants to watch Netflix on a, on a 10-inch display in the sofa has bought an iPad. And maybe, like like you said, your sister bought one years and years ago, and it still works, and it's still sufficient. That's not enough to boost iPad sales and turn them around from a declining product. If you look at the sales figures for the iPad, I haven't done the math, but casually speaking, you know, a linear interpolation of iPad sales looks like it's heading to zero around the year 2020. So just to be casual about it. I said I didn't I didn't do the math, but it, it doesn't look good for the iPad. Something dramatic has to happen. So, okay. Or is it replaced by a Mac with a touchscreen? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's an engineering and cost and marketing decision. 
So you're thinking of a, a 27-inch iMac that has a touch-sensitive screen, and we uh, we operate it by touch as well as with the mouse. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, then you're taking the Microsoft approach. Do you do that? Well, you know, the future is touching our displays. The future is touch and talk. AI agents and touching our displays, as we, as we know from the years of experience with the iPad. So eventually the mouse and maybe the keyboard have to go away as AI agents get really, really good. I think the reason why people, except in exceptional cases, don't write their articles by dictating is because like an ebook, it's cool, but it's a little awkward and it doesn't give the author the kind of control they want and it can be frustrating to construct the article exactly the way you want um, by constantly correcting the AI agent. But I can imagine a time when everything you want to do is with an AI agent in concert with both in your computer and contacting a more powerful one over the internet for additional computational assistance, sort of like Alexa does. Let's look at the future. The future is this. Captain's log, star date, etc. Absolutely. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. He is not doing a captain's log. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Ally. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. 
Lifetime Graze 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Let's jump to other topics with John. Okay. Your Apple Watch could eventually become a complete biomed lab. Now, consider Apple Watch right now. We don't know how many are sold, but Tim Cook says record sales in the December quarter, record sales for the entire year. The rest of the smartwatch industry is collapsing around them. Pebble was bought off by Fitbit, which is laying off people because it's not doing as well as they wanted Samsung sales of their smartwatches, Galaxy Gear, have collapsed. The only product left is really Apple Watch. That didn't take long. It's like the iPod. Remember the iPod where you had competition for the iPod and nobody believed it, but suddenly it was just iPod. There was nothing left in the market with any significant market share. 
it looks like Apple Watch is going that place, certainly with a much lower volume, but still going that place. What do you think? I think Apple designed the Apple Watch with grand scale in mind, which is why it didn't get really, really thin quickly. I think they designed the uh, Apple Watch to eventually assume much more bigger, a much larger role in our health. Right now, it's sort of a fitness monitor, health monitor. The, the thing it can do is take your pulse and it can monitor your steps and it can report other fitness items to, to HealthKit. But I foresee a day when the Apple Watch will be sort of a, a small laboratory. There's already been a watch. One of the readers pointed out to me that there's been a, a watch that wasn't commercially successful that was able to do your blood sugar analysis through sweat behind the watch. So we know that technology works, and it's only a matter of time before Apple gets FDA approval to display your blood sugar level. That's going to be a sea change. That's going to be major, major, because a lot of people need to monitor their blood sugar, not just diabetics, but other people. So that's step two. And then the next step is to be able to monitor your blood. And there's all sorts of interesting things that your blood can tell a small med lab. Your white blood cell count, your red blood cell count, your platelets, your, your, your bun of value, blood urea nitrogen, all sorts of interesting things going on in your blood that if only you could get a handle on it and perhaps many of it non-invasively, hopefully, somehow through magic technology, or maybe you'll have a small test station that is on Wi-Fi and you can do a little, you know, finger prick, have it transmit the information to the, to the watch and have it pull that all together. Would this be then, all Apple watches or a specific style of Apple uh, Watch? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the opportunities for blood analysis plus AI agents that can diagnose what's going on, you know, with cooperation with the FDA, make recommendations to you is just about certain in my mind. And that is, for example, I have a friend who's type 1 diabetic, and he's constantly struggling to monitor his blood sugar. And he's constantly, when he comes and visits, he's and we go out to eat, he has to, you know, do the little prick and he may have to shoot up some insulin at the time. And his wife keeps certain kinds of nutrition bars handy in case his blood sugar gets too low. Because when your blood sugar drops below about 50 or 60, you start getting really dumb and you can do dangerous things. So his wife has to keep track of what, what he's eating and his blood sugar all the time. So um, if you had a watch that could warn you about that, yeah, that would be just phenomenal. And there's other things. There's markers in the blood that I've read about, incipient markers for cancer that advanced analysis techniques could pick up possibly, and other early signs for disease where you could have the AI agent, all, all this done with FDA approval, of course, suggest to you that I see something in your blood that you should be very concerned about. You do this now and get to your doctor. So there's plenty of opportunity. And we've already heard stories about people who've just routinely use something as simple as their pulse to give them a red alert warning that they were uh, in trouble having an incipient heart attack. So the Apple Watch is just getting started in this technology. And Apple's built the infrastructure in place, the technology in the operating system of the watch and its power capacity and its design to be able to grow into that future. And I think that some other watches 
took a more limited companies took a more limited view of their watch and and didn't have the grand plan and technology that apple's going to develop my opinion so this is the early stages of apple watch and those who say well it's not going anywhere really aren't looking at the ideas that apple has already started to introduce there yeah yeah when you're spending as much money as apple is on r&d and you have a roadmap you must be rather amused by the lack of vision of many writers who say well the watch is a failure and it's not going anywhere and apple's going to have to kill it that's just nonsense it's just the beginning apple's got a lot invested there they have a long-range plan it's obvious i think so but i wish they'd tell us what the sales were yeah i you know the only argument i have i haven't seen anything else that could explain it to me but the, the only reasoning i can come up with is is that apple wants to be in such a strong position that they can take the rest of the industry by surprise and just humiliate and bring into despair the competition one of these days apple's going to announce they're selling 35 million watches a year and everybody's just going to go oh what can we do to compete against that so i think it's a, it's lulling the competition into either overconfidence or or a lack of alertness. Well, obviously they can't read what Apple's intended. They only look at the surface features, not using a pun about Microsoft. But it's interesting, as I said, that all the rest of the smartwatch market is collapsing as leaving Apple. Let's take to the next step. The next step is a statement that Tim Cook made during the quarterly conference call with financial analysts that the iPhone hasn't reached tech maturity, has room to grow. And I guess this is in response to people who say, oh, no, the smartphone is really just a generic product now. It's saturated. People who want one have one. This was UB analyst, UBS analyst Steve Milanovich, who I think uh, threw a softball pitch at Tim Cook. So Tim Cook could uh, hit a home run at the end of the earnings call on uh, Tuesday, and he said investors tend to think of the iPhone as mature with technology improvements as incremental. Yet I believe you think there's a there's plenty of runway left in terms of appealing new features. And Tim Cook took it and ran with it, and well, the answer in Tim Cook's low-key style seemed innocuous, and you know, Tim Cook's constant selling of the company uh, he said what something I thought was interesting. He said, I think smart the smartphone is still in the early innings of the game. I think there's lots more to do. I think it's become every year more important to people's lives. And when he went he went on to talk about how he had mentioned uh, home automation in the beginning, which Apple has chosen to use the iPhone as its nexus for home automation. But he said, I could have talked about health. I could have talked about CarPlay. Could have talked about use in the enterprise. So what caught my mind, what caught my attention was when he talked about more and more important to people's lives. And when the iPhone first came out, it was basically a cell phone that had internet access and the 2G network was pretty sorry and the apps were pretty primitive. We didn't even have, didn't even have apps for the first year. And so it was kind of like, eh, it, could, it could get on the internet you know, if you weren't too much in a hurry, but it was a pretty nifty cell phone in that you could call up an address book and touch a phone number and you didn't have a real keyboard and it was pretty cool. But now when you think about the iPhone 
it's become so important to our lives. And what it is is basically a really, really powerful computer with really good communication systems. And that capability is not going to go away. And that capability has led to all sorts of interesting things like Apple Pay through NFC and health monitoring and home automation and Internet access and banking and purchasing and Kindle book reading and email and messaging and secure communications. Oh, and by the way, phone calls. So this computer in our pocket with great communications is a meme and it's just not going to disappear. And as technology improves, miniaturization continues. And as developers find new things that they can do to our advantage and Apple leverages off that, this basic device, while it may change in form, is is not going to go away. It's, it's, people think, well, all that's going to be transferred to the watch. We've got more to come with John Martellaro. Okay. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. This is David Cordani, CEO of Cigna. For more than 20 years, Cigna has worked with the March of Dimes to address premature births in the U.S. Premature births cause horrible suffering and cost billions of dollars each year. That's why Cigna is committed to raising funds and awareness through our employees, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies. Please join us in supporting the March for Babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro 1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
In short then, John, what Tim Cook says wasn't spin, wasn't corporate spin. Mm-mm. No. He, he had a real purpose there. This is something that he regards as serious, and he's giving you an insight into what Apple thinks in a very, very general way. Yes. And as I was going to say in the previous segment, those who think that we, you know, we've evolved from a desktop to a notebook computer to an iPhone and not to a watch, forget that these computational needs, you need a battery the size of an iPhone battery, which is what, 15, 1800, maybe 2000 milliamp hours. The battery in the Apple Watch just doesn't have enough oomph to do the things. They still have to partner with each other, the iPhone and the Apple Watch. And so as long as you can carry around a 2,000 milliamp hour battery in your pocket, you're going to have opportunities for technical advancements, faster processors, new functions like Apple Pay, uh, and, and secure encrypted communications, banking, and who knows, and health monitoring. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But it's a product that's so fundamental to our lives that trying to get ahead of ourselves and trying to have a a too fantastic vision that say, well, the phone's going to go away and we'll all do this all on our watch. Doesn't account for the kind of display size we need to do things. Doesn't account for the battery power. Doesn't account for the 64-bit supercomputing power compared to old days that's available in the iPhone and the uh, facility for for managing it. If you ever tried to update the operating system on your watch, <laughs> it's a real pain and it's slow. It takes hours. I see the iPhone becoming more and more important in people's lives, even more so than it is now, just as Tim Cook said. So I agree with him completely. Whereas the competition will bring out gee whiz features nobody will ever use. Yeah, I remember a few years ago there was a Samsung commercial where people were waiting in line to buy an iPhone. And these two guys were laughing at the people standing in line for the phone. And they were able to trade playlists by tapping their phones to each other. Remember that one? How many people do that? Oh, yes. I remember the commercials. Yeah, but have you ever seen anybody do that since? <laughs> Only in the commercial. Yeah, yeah. Heck, when Microsoft was making a big thing about the Zune music player, the only time I ever saw a Zune music player when, when someone was trying to sell one over at a convenience store with not much success. Oh, you mean they were in blister packs in the 7-Eleven hanging on the wall? No, 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 no. Someone was hanging out outside the store. Would you like to buy my Zune? No. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I can afford a, a hamburger and a Coke. Yeah, they do have one or two hamburgers there. You get frozen hamburgers and you warm it up. <laughs> and sometimes you get pizza where they bring in pizza from a nearby pizza place. And they stick it in one of these revolving heating assembly thingies, thingamabobs. Now, that's the long haul of the iPhone. What do you think Apple's going to do for the fall of 2017? Is it going to be what everybody's talking about? Oh, it's going to be wraparound glass and OLED display and wireless mm -hmm. charging and all that good stuff. Or I don't even know if that's good stuff. Wireless charging. You know, contacts. I don't know that I want to oh, I'm gonna charge my iPhone. I'll stick it on this big, stupid-looking plate. Well, one of the problems I have is I'm constantly using my iPhone as a stopwatch for podcasts like this one. And as soon as the host is ready to go, I have to unplug my 
iPhone from the charger, which makes a horrendous clicking sound. And that's just one aspect of it. I'd like to be able to just rest it on the table. As Phil Schiller said before, it doesn't take away wires. It just moves the wires. But I think it's uh, going to come. I think contactless charging, where you're not, not radiation charging at a distance. We talked about that at the Mac Observer recently. We think the first step is going to be the normal kind of charging like you do with your Apple Watch, where you just rest it on a pad. I don't think the pad's going to be that big. And it's going to be pretty. Apple designs it. So it's going to be pretty. I think there is going to be an OLED display. I think the the bezel is going to be a lot smaller. I think it's going to be a pretty cool phone. One of the things that intrigues me, though, is, is that there's constant chatter about how, well, you shouldn't buy an iPhone 7 because the iPhone 8 is coming out next year. Well, I guess nobody it, listened to that demand, huh? No, the iPhone 7 is selling very well. People buy what they want to buy when they need it. And people have decided they want to stay up with the technology, unlike iPads. A lot of people decided they want to keep up with technology because the iPhone is so fundamental and intrinsic into their lives. They don't need an iPad necessarily. They can do the things that they would normally do on an iPad mini on an iPhone 7 Plus. So they don't need an iPad, but they need a phone. It's fundamental to their lives. And when the new iPhone 8, if that's what Apple calls it, comes out, it's going to be 10th anniversary, 2017. It's going to be very nice. It's going to have a better display. Uh, it's probably going to have a slightly better camera. And we'll all want one. And so, you know, hand me that hand down your iPhone 7 and move on. That's the way. Or if you have the 12-month plan with AT&T Next or whatever the other companies call it, mm-hmm. then after a year you simply swap it for another phone. Who knows? Yeah, but these uh, articles that try to manipulate your emotions and say, oh, when you hear about the iPhone 8, you'll be sorry you bought the iPhone 7. Oh, those are just trying to get – those are just clickbait articles. Let's move on to one more subject before we let you leave the building with Elvis. Apple's TV app reveals its plight with the television industry, but it also takes it to the larger question of the Apple TV set-top box, which is, uh, I don't know, is lacking some important stuff. It is. It's, It's always disappointing to me that Apple doesn't see the Apple TV as an advanced technical device for imaging. They see it as a platform for applications. And as a result, there is a sort of a, a nagging feeling that Apple's not being the market leader. So as I, I think I mentioned before on the show, uh, throughout 2015, Apple tried to get this subscription TV service going on and they couldn't do it. They had an iPhone, they had an, I'm sorry, they had an Apple TV fourth generation sitting there waiting to go and nothing happened with the subscription service. So they couldn't do a co-announcement. So finally in November, 2015, I think it was, they released an aging, already aging product that only had 1080p. And now, of course, with big sales for 4K sets. Yes. 
we have yes, Apple so, TV, and Apple has to be looking rather lame there because, you know, the do. technology is not impossible for them. You can take 4K movies on iPhones, so certainly they could have put that out. They might have been waiting, of course, for realization of HDR because there are two right. standards for HDR, and maybe that didn't come together for this fall, so it'll be this coming year sometime where they'll bring it out. Well, every TV, that every 4K TV that shipped unless it's really low level one in at Christmas of 2016 had HDR. Uh, Let let me say, so like the E series and the D series from Vizio did not. Whereas the M series, the P series and the reference did. So the lower third of the market, let's, you know, let's define that the lower third of the market did not have HDR. Now that might come this year. What you're going to see is like you always see in terms of technology where Last year, maybe the top two-thirds of the market had HDR. And I'm not going to look at Samsung and the other companies. Vizio is one of the larger TV makers. So I'm suspecting here that HDR will probably consume all but the very cheapest models this coming year. It's on its way. It wasn't there yet. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. SolArc EMP-hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So the argument we're making here about HDR is that's what you get. That's what you wait for, for a 4K set. Wait till the model that you can afford has HDR. And both standards, because there are two standards here. Dolby Vision and HDR10. HDR10, Dolby Vision. Make sure it's got both because it's just software. If it can do no. one, it can do both. No, Dolby Vision requires a licensed chip. Okay. You can do your own software and HDR. You can roll it, but... If you want to have Dolby Vision, you got to have a chip and license it from Dolby. Okay, so that one there, so therefore it should center on Dolby Vision, and you could always add HDR10, which is of course what Vizio did. They came out with their sets mm-hmm. with eight with Dolby Vision, and they added the rest, I think, to the M series later on. Point being here is that now, especially this year, last year it's starting to look bad. This year Apple's looking real bad, not having an Apple TV with HDR and 4K. And how much could it cost to add those features? Well, the thing is, is that the technology is moving fast. There, there is something coming along called, if I remember correctly, it's called Hybrid Log Gamma, which releases the system from the necessity of excessive metadata for HDR. So if Apple had come out with a 4K 
device in 2015, we'd all been very pleased. And then in the fall of 16, they could have added HDR. And then in the fall of 17, they could have added you know, Dolby Vision and hybrid log gamma. But instead, Apple seems to be going nowhere. And its licensing efforts uh, have seemed to have been stymied. And the single sign-on got off to a really slow start. And the Apple TV app was looked upon with some disdain as not being a global effective solution out of the box because it didn't support Netflix. Now it does support Netflix content, some of it, but not all of it, not the special content, the original programming. So Apple seems to be always behind the game because it's in competition. It chose to become in competition with the rest of the industry that tries to keep a rein on Apple. My view has always been, why doesn't Apple just build great hardware that supports what everybody else is trying to do? A good example of that is uh, Xfinity is experimenting with an app that bypasses the need for a set-top box. It doesn't have a DVR, but Xfinity, I read the other day, is continuing to work on an app where if you have one of these set-top boxes, you can install the Xfinity app and you can become an Xfinity subscriber over the internet. You never have to have a coax cable coming into your house. You don't have to have one of these rented set-top boxes. So who are they targeting first? Apple? No. The market leader, Roku, looks bad for Apple. It just isn't the way we like to think of Apple as being so aggressive and so much of a leader that people you know, sort of are attracted to them because of their, the, the technology leader. What's going on? We don't know. Well... Right now, of course, Apple is going to possibly try to produce some of its own TV shows. But that having two or three shows doesn't make it Netflix. No, and the, and the problem there in my mind is, is that because of the Netflix's great quantity of shows, people are not so inclined to make judgments about Netflix. Some of the original content is good and appeals to some people. Some of it doesn't appeal to other people. Some people will tell you Netflix's original programming is better than Amazon's and the opinions will differ there. And so there's no clear quantitative decision about that. But as soon as Apple comes out with original content, Apple will be judged on its decision and choice about the kind of original content that it's producing. Does and Apple even have to worry about that? I mean, why is the point here. The reason I raise that is it? because yeah. there is too much content now. I'm yeah. sitting here, and I don't know how to watch what's on there. I don't have the time. <laughs> I don't have the time to sit here and give up what I'm doing and watch all this extra stuff. And with so much worry about the situation with the Macs, not, you know, only the MacBook Pro touch bar shipping in 2016, declining sales of iPads, technical lags with the Apple TV. How does Apple solve this problem? by creating original content, a little bit of it, and getting their feet wet. It seems like kind of a diversion. It seems like a As I said, we don't need any more original content. I have Amazon Instant Video, but I never watch it. Not because they don't have shows I want to see. They do. Oh, you don't watch Grand Tour with the Top Gear guys? No. Oh. Okay, but the point being, I don't have time. (laughs) I mean, Netflix has great stuff, and I'm still short a couple of episodes in watching it. I haven't had the time. There's a lot of good stuff on commercial TV. I Mm -hmm. don't have the time. How many people have the time to sit there and watch all this content? We have a tremendous number of great 
scripted content on TV. My sense from the readers is use that money to make things better for your regular customers. Push the technology forward in all areas and make everything just work and we'll be happy again. And let the other companies deliver the content, all right? Because Apple was going to come out with a subscription TV service, but now DirecTV has one. Dish Network has one. We're having all these networks bringing out their own TV apps. have CBS All Access, where it'll have a spinoff of the TV show Good Wife, with, you know, obviously without Juliana Margulies. And then they're going to have a new Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery, right. Right, which eventually might get done. It's been delayed and delayed, but we assume with that investment, it'll get done. Point being here is, that's going to be another service to subscribe to. I mean, if I want to watch those two shows, or one of them, I have to pay $6 a month and subscribe to another service. I don't have the time, and I think most people don't. And I agree with you, Apple should concentrate on getting its hardware in tune, coming out with a 2017 Apple TV with all the bells and whistles and technology the latest, most advanced technology, improve mm-hmm. whatever has to be improved Some with it. Like and IMAX. don't worry about the content. It's there. I mean, TV has never been better. You have Academy Award-winning performers who go to TV. There's no longer the feeling that if you go to TV, you lose your career. You lose your prestige. You go where there's good content. Back and oh, forth. Yeah. doesn't matter anymore. These original content shows pay very well. Actors love them. And with a TV series, you know, it's not just one off. You sit there and you have a whole season to develop characters, develop situations. And sometimes it works really well, like True Detective, the first season. Okay, that was a really good season. You've got Oscar-nominated winning actors coming on there and doing great work, not thinking they're on TV, just doing good stuff. We'll see what happens with Apple TV, whether it's going to be the big thing this year. They'll get their act together, Apple, and do some great things and a lot of possibilities coming along. Also, I want to see when the next Mac upgrade is going to be and whether it's going to include all the rest of the products. John Martellaro, how do we find more of your stuff? I am at uh, the Mac Observer, www.macobserver, one word, dot com. John Martellaro, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. See you next time. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. 
Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if there were no contracts, no activation fees, no tracking, tracing, or draconian gimmicks, all on America's largest 4G LTE networks? Introducing PixWireless.com. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, and unlock GSM phones instantly. Bring your own device and make the switch today. Here's how. Call or click 1-866-205-9513 or PixWireless.com, spelled P-I-X, PixWireless.com. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-848-6333. That's 800-848-6333. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907. Hello, Belly Flattening Helpline. Hi, is this the number for the free trial of that belly flattening breakthrough Somabiotics? It is. We're giving away free trials to anyone, male or female, who's over 18 and wants to flatten their belly fast. I heard that Somabiotics is so effective it can actually cleanse pounds of sludge from your belly. Is that true? Sure is. Somabiotics is scientifically formulated with natural ingredients to flatten bloated bellies fast by cleansing pounds of rotting food and toxic sludge from your body. It even combats periodic heartburn and acid reflux, so you'll look and feel great. If your belly flattening results are too dramatic, simply reduce use to every other day. Wow, I'm glad I called. If you're over 18 and want to flatten your belly fast, call now for a free trial of Somabiotics. 1-800-957-5396. But hurry, call now for details while they're still giving these trials away for free. 1-800-957-5396. If lines are busy, try again. That's 1-800-957-5396. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So we have Kirk McElhern joining us, and 
I don't know whether he's going to be in full out rant mode or not. It depends on what we have here. Well, what is there to rant about? Is there anything to rant about today? I don't know. How about, well, Mac sales are up slightly. That's nice. Yeah, and, Mac sales are up slightly, and Apple made a metric boatload of money. And I think they had a record revenue for Mac, $7.2 billion on sales of just under $5.4 million. And you compare this where Apple had a slight increase of, I think, less than 2%, 1% to 2%. And then you see the yeah, coverage but- of Microsoft and the Surface, where the sales were, what, $1.2 or $1.3 billion, mm. a fraction of Apple's. And yeah. so one says the Surface sales were resilient. They dropped 2%. Another said they rose. <laughs> it looks like this- alternative facts have influenced some of the tech commentators out there. Yeah, but alternative facts have always existed in any company touting their corporate results. Um, We know that. They're always trying to spin things. The problem is that it's easy with this sort of thing because you can look at the numbers and, and you can see what's actually happened. Now, you can say that even sales going down is resilient in the sense that um, the overall market is going down. I mean, that, I think that's totally reasonable to say that. But you can always look at the numbers and, and see what they have to say. Um, so, so Apple made – it was their record quarter, right? But there's one thing to note. This was a – was it a 13-week quarter as opposed to a 12-week quarter? Because It was a 14-week quarter as weeks. opposed to a 13-week quarter. Right. So technically, sales got were down week. per week even though exactly. total sales were higher. Right. So they got 6% more – from that 14th week than they would have had in a 13-week quarter. Um, so that's what put them over the top. If you look at, I'm looking at um, sixcolors.com, Jason Snell's website, and he's got the best charts out there. Um, total Apple revenue was $78.4 billion compared to last year, same quarter, 75.9. If you take 6% off that 78.4, that's pretty close to 75.9. If you reduce that $78.4 billion by 6. By six percent, you get a little over seventy-three and a half billion, which would actually be lower than the last two years of the same quarter. So there, there is a mathematical reason for this being the best quarter ever. And, and I'm not saying it was a bad quarter, no matter what. Um, if it was even near the past two years, um, so it, again, I'm looking at this chart. Um, 78.4 billion for this year's um, fourth quarter, 75.9 the previous year, 74.6 the previous year. Then you go four years ago and it's 57.6. So there was a huge jump between that 57 and the 74. And if you're at 73 billion this year's um, fourth quarter, you're still way up from what it was four years ago. Well, the thing you could say is because it's a holiday quarter. A lot of those sales might have occurred anyway, despite the fact that the quarter was a week longer. I'm not going to get into that. It's too much. The point being here is that... The sales have been credited to a different quarter. I I believe this is an extra week they take at the end that they do this to adjust every few years. Because the the 13 weeks is not... um, 13 times 7 is not 356. Um, So they do this every few years. It's kind of like a a leap year thing. Um, but they're taking the extra week at the end after um, the holiday period, I think. 
Regardless, it was a pretty decent quarter. It was interesting decent enough. Quarter. Interesting it's- enough that the iPhone Seven Plus apparently is more popular, and the average sale price is higher than it's yeah. been. That's interesting. Yep. And again, if you look at the year-over-year revenue change, so the three previous quarters, they were down year-over-year. This year, this quarter was up 2.5%. But if you take out that 6%, they're still in negative territory, but not as bad. So they're still doing less well than they were a year ago. Well, okay, we can put a good spin on that, a healthy spin, and that's where you go. And it's the same if you look at iPhone sales, if you look at... Um, total profit. If you look at even max sales, adding adding an extra week in max sales um, gives it a big bump when you look at the when you look at the charts. Now, Apple's logic is that supplies were constrained for the MacBook Pro with a Touch Bar. Yeah, but this is their fault. Uh, you know, they, this is like saying the dog ate my homework and I had to do it over. Right? Um, supplies being constrained means that they didn't have enough of the computer manufactured when it launched. And they always say supplies are constrained, and they always are. If you want to buy AirPods today, I don't think you can get them for a month. Um, Every new Apple product, they run into this problem. It's very rare that they don't. You know, I think they'd rather be a little short of demand than to have too many. You know, it's the whole just-in-time manufacturing concept um you're saving money on your inventory but how many customers are you losing because they can't get your new product and they end up getting another one you know people like us if we do upgrade we're planning we know when this something's going to come out we can wait but there are people who hey my my computer got stolen Uh, some i lost it i dropped it i broke it and you need a new computer or you need new computers for business you can't wait you you have to buy what's available when you buy it and there's always the risk that people are either they're either going to fall back on a cheaper older macbook pro which is still available um or they're going to end up looking for something else, eventually a Windows device. Now, this is very interesting. So Microsoft claims a record number of Mac users switched to Surface, although Surface sales were down. At the same time, Tim Cook says the same thing almost every quarter with Macs. More than half of the people buying new Macs are new to the platform and have switched from Windows. That means of, say, 5,400,000, it's like 5,300 something, but 5,400,000 sales, more than 2.7 million went to Windows switchers. So it says two things, assuming this number is correct. Number one is a lot of Mac users are sitting back and not upgrading. They're waiting. Or they're holding onto their computers longer. I have this nearly seven-year-old MacBook Pro. I'm in no rush to upgrade. Not necessarily because I can't afford to, but that's certainly one factor. But the fact is here, nothing is forcing me to upgrade. It works fine. Yeah. And and there's people for whom, um, there's people who may have bought a Mac, a particular laptop um, a few years back. And instead of upgrading to a new Mac, they've bought an iPad because they realize that they don't need a computer with a keyboard. You know, Uh, Those of us who work professionally with our Macs, we do need this. But people, you know, home users, they may not need this anymore. At the same time, iPad sales are going down and down. Now, part of this, according to 
Tim Cook is that there's some kind of inventory adjustment going on. And the reported sales would have been higher, but they didn't build enough, so they pulled some off inventory. But that's just a few hundred thousand, if you believe this numbers game. Yeah, and we're in a quarter where they sold more than 10 million iPads. Um, So you're talking about a few percent, and and that's not really um, what is important. What's important is the trend here that since 2014, it's been on a downward slope. Um, And in fact, it's just slightly higher than the second quarter of, what was it, the first quarter of 2012, which just after the, no, sorry, I'm looking at a four-quarter thing. Sorry. It's just a little bit higher than the first quarter of 2012, which was, what, the second quarter when the iPad was first available, right? Right. So basically, it's been on this downward trend. Where does it stop? We've got more to come. We've got Kirk McElhern. And we're talking about Apple sales and now focusing on the iPad. Where does the sales drop stop before it reaches zero? This is the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We use cell phones against our heads every day. But now, a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. Had it been the sweet Paris air permeating the night? The intoxicating way her beauty had overtaken him. Whatever the case back then, Jordan Dunleavy is still in love with the memory of Lauren, the woman he'd lost so many years before. 
In Bookstore on the Sen, the journey of a conspiracy analyst, author C.L. Hendman, ties conspiracy theories, mystery, irony, and romance into this stimulating novel that masterfully interweaves the past with the present. Available on Amazon and Kindle and at bookstoreonthesen.com. That's S-E-I-N-E.com. Bookstoreonthesen.com. In a crisis, your number one need is food, but not just any food. Experts say everyone needs to have non-perishable, good for 25 years, survival food on hand in case of an emergency. Well, right now, in what is truly an unprecedented move, 72-hour survival food kits are being given away to listeners while supplies last. Survival food is more important today than ever before, explains Frank Bates, a spokesman for the company. Natural disasters, terrorist attacks, and other threats can make obtaining sufficient food impossible in an emergency. This 72-hour survival kit has 16 servings of delicious food rated for 25 years of storage. It sells to the general public for $27 plus shipping, and it's been rated 4.5 out of 5 stars by customers who paid full price. But listeners who act quickly can get it free, just cover $9.95 shipping. Go to FreeFood2.com right now. Supplies are limited, and the program may end at any time. Go to FreeFood2.com now. That's FreeFood2.com. Have you ever wanted a shortcut to getting the underground secrets to making money online and seriously grow your business? Whether it's a new business, a part-time income, or an existing business, you have this incredible limited offer to get a copy of this Amazon best-selling book on dot-com success for free. Uncover the success factors to make your business ignite. Go to secretsignite.com. That's secretsignite.com. Get your free copy now. Go to secretsignite.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So down and down she goes. Where she stops, nobody knows. iPad sales. So is there a point there where it's going to be flat? I thought it was going to happen... Because September quarter sales were only down a few percent. Yeah, and and again, look at this quarter. We've got an extra week, and it's down quite a bit from um, the previous quarter and, and a lot from the previous year. I don't think this is the kind of device that we're going to see all of a sudden go off the edge and, and the curves are going to plummet. Uh, I think, and someone said on Twitter, and I don't remember who it was, given what most people do with an iPad, there's very little reason to upgrade. You use it for web browsing a few apps and watching some videos. Um, assuming you've got a retina display on your iPad and, and you don't have an older model, I can't really see any logical reason to upgrade. You know, they tried with the pencil, and the pencil was obviously attractive for a number of people, but it didn't stem the tide at all. It's a device that that's well enough built that it's going to last a long time. I, I have an iPad 3 that I don't use, and actually I need to list on eBay because my partner has, a, uh, I think, an iPad Air 2, and I have the iPad Pro, the 9.7-inch. But that iPad 3, while it's a little bit slow for a lot of things, it's fine for most uses. Um, again, web browsing, email, basic apps, non-game apps, and even displaying video, it's fine. As long as the battery keeps working, it'll be usable. And even after that, you know, I know people have very old iPads, like they've got permanently plugged in in the kitchen or something that they can use to check recipes and things. So I think it's a device that is a bit of a workhorse, and I, I can't see a lot of people needing to upgrade. What we are seeing is it's just not a compelling device. It's that 
people just aren't that interested in the iPad anymore. I think one of the explanations for this is that you've got larger phones, and if you do have an iPhone 7 Plus or a 6 Plus or a 6S Plus, it's not that much smaller than an iPad mini. Most people aren't going to have both an iPhone and an iPad, and so that larger iPhone can kind of work for a lot of things that people do with an iPad. It's cannibalizing sales to some degree. I see that. Also, there's a point here where people with iPad 3s are going to say maybe, you know, all right, it's been how many years? Four or five years. Let's just get something new. It's reached that point after five years. There has to be an upgrade cycle that has not begun yet. And then the other thing is here is, all right, Tim Cook makes some kind of weird comment about great things coming in the iPad too, you know, other things. But what do you do with the iPad now? You make it slimmer. You make, you it, a, you make it a slightly larger screen. You make it faster. Now this is important. Or maybe you go to iOS and say, wait a minute. We can do things now that make the iPad more than a grown-up iPhone. Because they're well, not taking there, there full advantage who, who, of the larger screen. I mean, I had an iPad. Work. Did you work with the 12.9-inch iPad Pro at all? No, I never have. All right, I had it here for about two months from Apple. And it seems so wasted in the way iOS was designed. Nothing was being done other than the side-by-side multitasking, which also happens on the smaller screened model. Nothing was being done to exploit the larger display. Nothing. It's just the same Windows zoomed bigger, which is fine if you want your Windows and your text and everything to be bigger. But when you look at that home screen, the way the icons are spaced out on the big iPad, it looks a bit ridiculous. That's the point. That they haven't squeezed them together a little bit um, instead of four across to put six across, given the size of the device. That's been the problem there. It looks like they've not made real efforts to change that. And now in the situation where you mention it, people buy the iPhone 7 Plus, more and more people buying it. A number of those sales are coming from the iPad. People will not buy the iPad. Here's the all-in-one device. In lots of parts of the country, an iPhone 7 Plus or any larger smartphone, a phablet, is the only computing device they have. So Apple is not making a case for the iPad. The case doesn't exist anymore. Most people don't have both an iPhone and an iPad. Um, Given the cost of the iPhone, uh, given that the price of the iPhone hasn't been going down, it's been going up, uh, it's not like people are motivated to also buy an iPad. Uh, You know, Apple... Apple may have to get creative on pricing in the future. And it's not just lowering pricing, but how about you buy an iPhone and an iPad and you get $100 off the iPad, that kind of thing. Because they do want to sell units in addition to selling price. Well, they're going to have to do two things there. I agree with you about the pricing, but I also think they've got to go back through iOS and say, is there anything we could do to take advantage of this larger display? Now, one one story I heard, and I was talking to John Martellaro of the Mac Observer in the first part of the show. He mentioned an article where someone says you may eventually be able to run Mac apps on an iPad. I don't think so. That entails a lot of problems. It does. Um, 
there is something to be said for the fact that there are three different size iPads and you can pick up any of them and you know exactly how to work. In other words, the display on the iPad mini, the medium size, the 9.7 and the 12.9 is exactly the same. It's just the size that changes. And there is something to be said for that. However, it's almost as if Apple wants you to work the same way on a laptop and a desktop, right? Um, so when I work on my laptop, I generally have one window filling the screen. I don't use full screen, but I'll zoom my windows. And when I work on my 27-inch iMac, I'll generally have two windows side by side because there's room. Now, you can do that on the larger iPads. I, I find it a bit clumsy. It's not really intuitive to work with that. But as you say, they need to adjust iOS somehow to, to have a reason to have a larger iPad. And also, I think they need to, to, to make the iPad mini more efficient. Instead of just being a smaller version of the standard iPad size, which means that some of the interface elements are too small, um, they probably need to work on that too. So let's see what kind of thoughts Apple has in mind. Now, for businesses, iPads are quite useful. A lot of businesses are running with iPads. Even Uber, the ride-sharing company, they use iPads, a lot of them. So there are businesses' purposes for it, and maybe that's a solution for the problem here, knowing only so many customers will buy them. They'll keep them for five years or so before they upgrade. Wait, let's see if we can find more businesses who could use them and sell more into the enterprise. Yeah, but don't forget that businesses are extremely price conscious. So they're going to buy the cheapest model that they can, which would be, you know, the iPad mini if they can do it, or the, the 32 gigabyte um, 9.7 inch iPad. They're not going to be buying the 128 gigabyte model or the 256 um, 12.9 inch model. All so right. again, that's good for units, but not so much for revenue because it's going to always be the lowest cost models. So let's just see what kind of answers Apple comes up with. Now, to be fair, total global tablet sales are down. Apple is in the higher tier of that market, such as it is. So I think right now it's just finding its way and where it's going to go. I still feel, though, it's going to remain an intermediate device. I think at one time, Apple thought the iPad could become the replacement personal computer. And to some degree, and with some people, it is. My wife never uses my Mac. She uses her iPad. And yeah, that's my her personal doesn't computer. Use a computer. She's got an iPad and an iPhone. Exactly. And and I use my I have two iPads, a nine point seven and a and a mini. And I use them both um fairly often. I, I really like the mini for reading Kindle books. Um I have a Kindle Voyage, which is nice, but the, the typography on the Kindle app on the iPad is light years better than on the Kindle devices, the, the e-ink devices. So I re I use this for reading books um and I do other things with it. Um and I and I like the larger iPad for, you know, reading the news, sometimes watching videos in bed. Um I, I think they're very good devices. But I, I just you, you just don't need to upgrade these devices at all. But, you know, I think we discussed the last time I was on about not even needing to upgrade Macs. And you said earlier, your, your 2009 MacBook Pro, um, I, I'm going to, uh, my, my main Mac, my 27-inch iMac, this will be the first time I go more than two years um, with a Mac in a very long time. 
um, I'm going to keep this probably until it dies now because there is there's absolutely no justification for buying a new Mac. Um, it's got a Retina display. It's fast enough. It's got RAM. It's got everything it needs. And and I think you know I've said this before. We've reached a plateau point, and we're seeing this with the iPad, and we're also seeing this with the Mac. We got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Just to clarify here, my MacBook Pro is a 2010 model. Okay. And it runs Mac OS Sierra. I don't know about Sierra's successor because it's one of the oldest Macs that runs it. It has a solid-state drive. I swapped it out. It has more RAM. I have to replace the battery. I went through an interesting situation replacing the battery because the screw was stripped by Apple. And I've got all these little tools that ifixit.com sent me over to try to get that straightened out. Hopefully, we'll replace the battery soon. Not that I use it in portable mode that much. A lot of the time it's just hooked up to an outlet when I do use it. So there you go. I have no reason personally to use an iPad because if I want to watch something on TV, I got the 27-inch iMac 
I could watch Netflix there. Or if I go in the bedroom, I've got the regular flat panel TV. Now, Grayson, my son, who lives in Spain, when he came to visit us, he had a Kindle. And his Kindle, I think, is a 7-inch. And what did he use it for? Watching Netflix. That was his TV set. Yeah, I find that a bit small for watching Netflix, personally. As I said, I do watch videos in bed sometimes, and the mini is just a bit small for me. Kirk, you see what's happened here. What's happened here is that we're spoiled. Because we are. in the 1940s, and, 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 we had 10-inch screens on a TV set. Sure. And we watch and it. For other then people, we had a 19 or a 21-inch screen, and we'd watch it from a distance of 12 feet. Yep. But for other people, like your son Grayson, it's good enough. For most people, it's good enough, and they just don't care about spending more money for anything else, or they can't afford it. But getting back to the Mac, you've got what, 2014 iMac? 2014, yeah. Okay, that's the first generation. It's the first generation 5K iMac. Right. And the major change the following year, other than lower prices, was to use the wider color gamut, which for most people, you'll never see it. So it's nothing distinctive enough that means you have to upgrade. There was a minor performance boost. I assume the next model, which may come out this spring, will be a little faster. It'll go to the USB-C Thunderbolt 3 thingy, and it'll use a faster solid-state drive, and that's it. But as you say, these things are great computers. You can keep them for a number of years. There's no reason to upgrade. And as we're looking here... Apple's major sales gains for Macs are coming by bringing people into the platform. Mac users aren't upgrading. Obviously, they upgraded to some degree with the MacBook Pro and the Touch Bar because sales are up slightly. Well, sales are up also because it had been a while since there had been a major refresh of the MacBook Pro. So there were a lot of people who'd been waiting. I really haven't heard from anyone who thinks that the Touch Bar is that much of a big deal. I don't know if you saw David Pogue's article. He bought a $3,000 MacBook Pro, and he wrote an article about it. He had a lot of criticism of a number of things, in particular the size of the trackpad, which he said means when he was typing, he was always touching it with his thumbs, and he had to actually cut out a piece of cardboard to put it over part of the trackpad so he could type without any problems. I don't understand these big trackpads, so I I use the first Magic trackpad um, on my desktop. I've got my hand on it now. So I put my hand on it in such a way that my third and fourth fingers are on the desk and my first two fingers can go over the trackpad. Now, I bought the newer Magic trackpad when it came out, which is about 50% wider, and all it did was make me stick my hand further over, which was very uncomfortable, and I returned it because it was useless. It didn't add any value to me to have the bigger trackpad. And I don't understand why they're so obsessed with these big trackpads now and the laptops as well. Let me tell you here, maybe that's their excuse to provide more touchscreen features. But that's also what they're doing with the touch bar. But you know what's interesting here? It's just multi-touch gestures. Yeah, it is. Gestures, of course. But you look at that thing with all the gestures it does, and I look at them and say, okay, I got to learn this gesture, and I don't care. I don't. I I know how to tap. I know how to double tap to to get the um, contextual menu, but that's about all I do. I don't use a magic trackpad. Apple sent me one to review. I spent about two hours with it and said, I I don't care. Then the magic trackpad two came out and Apple sent me one to review. And you know what? No big deal. I I, I like the first one. I just have a standard magic mouse. Okay. I've actually been using trackpads since the 1990s. Um, I had a trackpad 
um, which I used with my LC-475. It was very small. It's about half the size of the first Magic Trackpad. Um, and it had the track section and it had buttons to press. So I've been using a trackpad for as long as they've been around. And I really like it much better than the mouse. I find it more comfortable. And, and I do have a Magic Mouse. And sometimes I use it when I'm like doing graphic work because it is easier to, to do that with a mouse. But I mean, the only graphic work I do is screenshots. But sometimes I need to do tight edits. But the trackpad for me is just totally natural. It's very comfortable. You don't have to put your hand in a, an odd position to, to hold it. And you don't move it around like – um, you know, sliding back and forth. You'd, I just keep the heel of my hand on my desk and my fingers on the trackpad move around. Um, so there's very little movement. But it's personal. You know, I understand. It's like you wear sneakers or you wear boots when you go out. You know, everyone has their opinion. I don't know what to say about that because I don't like trackpads that much. I'm not, not, I mean, I'd rather use it in the original trackballs on the power books. Remember those, the first power books with the trackball? Yeah, so my first Mac was a PowerBook 100, and the the trackball was very cool. And so it was a ball with, I think there were two buttons, sort of curved buttons below it. Um, and at one point, I had one of those Logitech things, which had a big trackball and four buttons. You remember that? It's really kind of tall. It wasn't that comfortable, actually. And the ball, the ball is a good device because you can rest your fingers on it and move around. So you're not you're not keeping your muscles tense in your hand when you're doing it. This um, ages me. So Apple switches to trackpads from trackballs. And I thought to myself, why did they do that? And I got used to it, sort of. But I'm not a big trackpad fan. I don't like trackballs on my desktop Mac. I had a, remember the Turbo Mouse, the Kensington Turbo Mouse. Yeah, that's what I'm just looking up here. They, they, the Kensington Orbit um, the expert mouse, the turbo mouse might have been the one I had. It was relatively big. As I said, it had a big ball and had four buttons. Right. The turbo mouse I had back, oh, in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And I took it to the office. And one day, one of the switches broke. At that point, Kensington was in New York City. Very close to my office. During lunch hour, I took it over and I said, the switch is broken. So they kept it for the afternoon, fixed the switch and gave me a floppy disk with a software update. So that's when you can actually get good service on something. But finally, yeah. I don't know where I broke. But I said, you know, this is not as comfortable as a regular Apple mouse. This is before we got into right clicks, context menus and stuff. I'll just go back to my Apple mouse, which is what I did. So color me old-fashioned. Anyway, there's a published report now in Bloomberg, you may have heard of it, that Apple is coming out with yet another way to run an ARM processor and some kind of mobile OS-derived thingy from watchOS or whatever on a future Mac where it takes over the power nap Feature. That's when it's in sleep mode and it does all this background stuff in low power mode. Supposedly, if you ran that off to an ARM processor with some kind of watch OS derivative, it uses less power, runs more efficiently. What's your take on that? I, I didn't pay much attention to that. Uh, I think what's interesting is that Apple is working on developing their own processors for their computers. And obviously, this is a long process 
pardon the pun, to get there. Um, but it is a sign that they are interested in um, basically no longer having to depend on in Intel. And, you know, part of the reason that Macs hadn't been updated was because Intel didn't wasn't shipping the new processors, et cetera. Um, if Apple depends on a single company for the ability to upgrade a computer, not that the only thing they upgrade is the CPU, but it is the main um, element in the computer. If they depend on just one company, um, then they can end up being in a stranglehold because this new company is not producing new chips. Let's go into more of that and the possibility of an ARM-based Mac and more. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. ProPure water filters, making water great again. Taste and feel the difference with state-of-the-art filter technology. Pro1 G2.0 and ProMax filters are independent lab-tested to NSF standards. Choose from gravity, countertop, pitcher, shower, and inline filtration products. There's a ProPure for you. Buy risk-free today. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? 
See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cowben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So we know that... Intel's processor roadmap is slower. And that might be one of the reasons why the iMac didn't get an upgrade. This time out, they're waiting for the quad-core version of the KB Lake processors, which were not shipping when the MacBook Pros came out. They used the previous year's chips, and they had to get that thing out. And that's one reason. But the key here is how much do you take over from Mac functionality with ARM or do you go all the way or what? Now you have to look at costs here. Now you want to buy an Intel processor, the high end mobile processors could be several hundred dollars, but the estimated costs of the A10 fusion processor in the iPhone seven series, $26 and 90 cents. And it provides performance. That's, comparable to mid-range Intel desktops and mobile devices, $26.90. Now, from a cost standpoint alone, I bet Apple would love to go all the way to ARM, but, you know, they may just play part way for a while, adding more and more hardware functions to make the thing run more efficiently. What do you think? I really don't know what the difference is between the two types of processors, but it's clear that if they can offload some of the work to another processor, I mean, the point here was that there's already an ARM processor for the touch bar, right, in in the MacBook Pro. Right. If they can separate out the actual processing to different components for different things, so, you know, we've already got a GPU for the, the graphics, and the, if there's a processor for the touch bar, maybe they'd have a separate processor for, I don't know, um, the camera and the audio system. Maybe it's starting to become more efficient to have a number of separate processors instead of one processor for everything, which allows um, the computer to do multiple things at once more efficiently. You know, maybe the storage device can do that way. Remember, Apple is already switching to a new file system, the APFS, the Apple file system. That's going to apparently debut in iOS 10.3. So there is a public beta, a developer beta, and when you install it, magically your iPhone, your iPad, whatever, will be using this new 
file system. And the first thing you notice is that boots twice as fast. That's one thing. Apple is going to do the same thing with Mac OS. It's already part of Sierra, but it's not finished. So it's something you have to really access and develop remote, and it has lots and lots of shortcomings. But if Apple is going to upgrade, you know, half a billion iPhones to the new file system, you just know they've got it ready. And what if then a lot of the file system functions were passed off to an ARM processor in a future Mac? Yeah, it's entirely possible that because a computer does a lot more than just compute. As you say, there's there's input output, there's file management, um, there's graphics, there's sound, there's all sorts of things. So it's true that there are some of these functions could be offloaded, which would mean that the main processor is more available when it's needed for you know high demand um, operations. And again, also, you mentioned the price. If it makes the, the devices cheaper, not only for Apple, but maybe they can it can lead to lower prices for users, um, there's always an advantage to that. And, and I think another advantage would be if this improves battery life. Instead of having one processor, one main processor, constantly using battery, you'd have a number of processors that are only used when they're actually needed. And this could save battery life for a number of things. More efficient, but also what it does is it creates a climate where Apple is doing things with its Macs that no PC maker can do, or as efficiently. Yes, I I mean, PC makers could do it if Microsoft were to revise Windows so that things could work this way. Um, Well, they did have Windows on ARM. It failed. No, I mean with multiple processors for different things. And, And maybe this is one of the waves of the future that we're going to see. Frankly, however, let's be honest, this is not that big a deal. Um, It's not going to get people to buy new laptops or new iPads or things like that. It'll be more efficient. Maybe you'll get better battery life in your laptop or your iPhone if there's multiple processors, but it's not that big a deal for users. It's like that wider color gamut that, you know, no one ever cared about um, unless they're a professional photographer. So while it's interesting inside baseball and looking how the sausage is made – it's not going to make that much of a difference for end users. Yes, but there may be a point where Apple says, you know what, we can now build A-series processors that are faster than Intel. And let's just see if we were to run an emulation mode for Intel, could we get the performance comparable to Intel Silicon? And if we can do that, it's time to switch to ARM completely because then Apple saves a lot of money. And, and it frees them from the dependence on Intel. But other than that, it's not, it's not something that's going to affect people using computers. No, but it could be a way station where Apple tests the waters, moves more and more Mac functionality, and leaves one thing. But that also sends a message to Intel. They're going to lose a customer who buys a lot of their high-end parts, which is a very profitable source of business. Not the largest PC maker, but one that buys the high-end parts. And if they're in danger of losing that business, maybe they will decide they could do more things to get their stuff out faster. Perhaps. I I don't know what the delays are. I remember some years ago they were saying, and now I'm not sure what they're, you know, when when they talk about a, a processor, they talk about the number of nanometers 
per transistor. Is that what it comes down to? And at, at some point they were saying like five years ago, we don't think we'll get smaller than whatever nanometers. And apparently they've already gone, you know, three orders of magnitude smaller than what they had thought they wouldn't get smaller than. So there's always room for progress. There's always room for um, improvements. But I think the processor end of, of a computer, this is major engineering. It's not something – you don't just come up with a new processor you know, overnight for next year's models. This is – they've got a roadmap that's planned for years, and, and I don't think it's, – it's, it's not a very agile type of manufacturing because it's not only the processor design itself, but it's also the plants that they need to, to build to make the processors or the, the tools inside the plants to make the processors. But the difference here is Intel is producing a processor that meets the needs of a number of different customers, a complete lineup of a whole bunch of variations, dozens of them. Apple merely has to produce a handful of configurations for its own hardware. So they can be very efficient because their operating system the mobile operating system is designed to work with one processor, theirs. Their well, processor is designed Intel. to work with their hardware. They can optimize things. They can exclude things that they don't need to support. Because remember, they're not producing a generic product for lots of companies. They're producing their own product. Maybe Apple will buy Intel, and, and then they'll be able to control how things are made and have Intel make a specific processor series for Apple and then other processors for other companies. we got more to come um, with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves. Home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn how easily expandable the system is. Solark is the most affordable and powerful solution on the market. The whole system even fits in the back of a pickup or SUV and can install in 
less than an hour. See for yourself why Solark beats other off-grid systems at PortableSolarLLC.com. Don't wait for the government. Go to PortableSolarLLC.com to learn why Solark is energy insurance for your family. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow Allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-615-7709. That's 800-615-7709. 800-615-7709. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Now, that would be interesting if Apple were to buy Intel, which they could do it tomorrow. They could write a check. The problem would be then, why does Apple need to do that? They don't need to do that because they're doing pretty well with their own processor development. Yeah, they are. But as I said, it's a slow process and it's it's taking Apple years to do this. It's complex. It's complicated. I mean, they have the the funds for the R&D, but it's not, you don't just like sit down and say, we're going to build a, a processor that is twice as fast tomorrow. There's, you know, it's dependent on all sorts of engineering feats and discoveries and things like that. This brings me to something that Tim Cook said. I, I believe someone asked him about like a major acquisition, and he once again repeated that Apple would certainly consider a major acquisition regardless of price. I don't remember his exact words. So a lot of the speculation that I've been reading is that Apple might buy a large media company, which in a way makes sense if you think about it. Um, they're moving more into media. Um, if, if you look at their revenue in services, this is actually quite interesting because – in the last quarter in services, they made, let's see what the chart says here, um, services, 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 $6.4 billion. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but that's compared to $5.3 billion 
a year previously, and the curve on this is constantly going up. Now, services includes their App Store uh, income, their iCloud income, um, Apple Music, um, you know, iTunes Store, and all that. But if they were to, let's say they bought, I don't know, CBS or Sony or Fox or a big media company like that, if they were to all of a sudden get a hold of a lot of media properties and be able to get people to Apple Music or Apple TV, whatever eventually they're going to have that that is a streaming TV service, this gets more people into the ecosystem. And as as we know, the iTunes Store and the iTunes app got people to buy iPods. It wasn't the other way around. And I'm sure that Apple wants to try and replicate that again in the future. I want to cover a bunch of other things before we let you go. And really? Yeah. More? We got more to talk about here. Let's go to one other product, which, of course, is not made by Apple, but supposedly uses Apple's technology or help. The LG Ultrafine 27-inch 5K display. This was a big deal. Supposedly, if you buy the 15-inch MacBook Pro with Touch Bar, it could run two of these things, two of these babies externally. Then LG's late to getting this thing out. Is now until what? Some kind of in mid-December, in limited quantities, and now there's some kind of weird problem where it freaks out if it's too close to some Wi-Fi routers. You heard about this, right? I mean, this is embarrassing. So um, now we uh, have a story here, according to Recode, that LG apologizes for this inconvenience and is committed to delivering the best quality products possible. So all LG ultra-fine 27-inch 5K displays manufactured after February 2017 will be fitted with enhanced shielding. Now, what this means also is if you have one of them now, and it may only be a few thousand that shipped, you bring it back to the dealer or you send it back and they will retrofit it. In other words, there's a recall. You've got to take your display, which is maybe crucial for your work, bring it into the dealer, and wait however long it takes for them to fix it. Or well, they the might just swap it out. It may be a point here. True, where because they swap they're new the enough. Yeah. I mean, this is just embarrassing. Did they not expect that people might be working near routers? Well, uh, the thing frankly, that shows me is it wasn't properly tested. Well, because yeah, but how obviously, you- if you set up in a typical home or a business. Sure. You've got the router is right next to it. My router, you know, my router is right now next to my 27-inch iMac. It's maybe two feet away. The router is on the desktop. Okay? Yeah, okay. Mine's two out feet wall, away. But- I can set this up in some kind of haphazard fashion, this desk, if I wanted to, which I don't, to have two more 27-inch displays. It would be very awkward because it's not really designed for that, but I could do it. If I did that, one of them would be right next to the router. Yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, for for me, it's out in the hall, um, so it's about 15, 20 feet away um, because it's in a central location in the house. Um, but I have had times when uh, I had my router on the desk or next to the desk or under the desk or something like that, you know, within a few feet. I mean, uh, frankly, there, there are a bunch of rubes if this happens like this, that they didn't test it in this kind of situation. It's just really, it's embarrassing. Um, I have an LG TV and I quite like it, um, but I would not buy anything else from LG or at least not um, 
uh, not a computer device. I also bought an LG washing machine a few months ago because um, they do make good washing machines. But there's no way I'd buy a computing device from them. That this is just – this is a big company. They can't do this kind of stuff. This means that no one thought of this. This is just dumb. There, you wanted a rant? You got a rant. Okay, I knew we'd get one. That's why I threw that in. All right, so at least they're fixing them. They'll fix yours. I assume if you're using it for business, you got a pair of them, you bring it to the dealer, and you say, I need a replacement now. I assume that'll be taken into consideration. That we'll just give you a, another one, and then we'll use the others for refurbished replacements or something. I can't think more than a few thousand are involved. And not everyone has the problem. It's got to be something that involves specific routers. Not all of them. That's really screwy. Apple Insider tested several of them. In some routers, it's fine. Nobody has a problem. With other routers, it freaks out. So again, it's the shielding, maybe different frequencies of radiation, different amounts, different designs. Again, stupid, 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 stupid. But there you go. At least they caught it pretty quickly once the problem came out. This product has been out, what? It's been in the hands of users for maybe five or six weeks. Not even not even that long. It was after Christmas, wasn't it? I have to look. I think they just shipped around Christmas. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, five weeks at, at most. Um, but no, it's just embarrassing. And And the fact that Apple partnered with LG, right? Apple certainly has some responsibility because they should have been testing it with their computers um, and they should have had a, a, a sort of test scenario that replicated what people would be doing. I mean, well, remember here, Kirk, the only computer it would work with right now would be the MacBook Pro, which has the right connector. That's true. Well, can't you connect? Can't you run an adapter from another like a Thunderbolt to Thunderbolt adapter? There are ways to do it, but you're doing something pretty complicated here. Yeah. You're using one connector for a 5K display. And that uses the very latest standard of DisplayPort. It's not a simple thing to do. So I don't know what to tell you. Let's go to one more topic. All right? Apple Watch. You've, You've got a list here. You're all prepared today. No, it's in my head. Oh, okay. There are other things in my head, but nobody wants to know about that. It's a deep. dark place and we don't want people to go in there because if we do oh my god all right so let's talk about one more thing in my deep dark head and that is apple watch so let's look at the market here it's very interesting because i think at one point it was felt that really fitbit was going to be a major competitor to apple because Most of the devices are focused on fitness. They're cheaper. So Fitbit buys Pebble, a pioneer in smartwatch technology. This happened this past year. They buy Pebble and they kill all the products. I guess it was basically killing a competitor. They brought off some of the staff and maybe they're using some of their development ideas for Fitbit. Now, after soft sales in the December quarter, Fitbit is laying off 6% of their workforce. You heard about this? I hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen that. That's interesting. Now, supposedly Samsung sales of the Galaxy Gear smartwatches are collapsing. Not selling too many. So the only market player that's doing anything at all is Apple 
with Apple Watch. And we're going to talk about Apple Watch for a little while in our final segment with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Minuteman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Minuteman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Taking turmeric is good, but there's a problem with it. The active ingredient in turmeric, known as curcumin, is poorly absorbed into the cells due to its large particle size. But now, One Planet Nutrition has the answer for this powerful anti-inflammatory. Nanocurcumin, a nanoparticle curcumin which absorbs over 40 times better into your bloodstream. Discover more health benefits of nanocurcumin and nanocurcumin plus now on sale at OnePlanetNutrition.com. Use promo code GCN for your special discount at OnePlanetNutrition.com. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas. When I was playing ball, they called me the Big Hurt. But after I left the game, Mother Nature started putting a big hurt on me. I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, it wasn't my fault. Once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. But luckily, I found out about Nugenics. Nugenics is a unique man-boosting formula powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help boost your free testosterone levels. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME11 to 42424. With Nugenics, you can feel stronger, leaner, with a lot more stamina and energy. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics is GNC's number one selling men's vitality product. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME11 to 42424. Nugenic samples are not available in stores. So again, text PRIME11 to 42424. Had it been the sweet Paris air permeating the night? 
the intoxicating way her beauty had overtaken him. Whatever the case back then, Jordan Dunleavy is still in love with the memory of Lauren, the woman he'd lost so many years before. In Bookstore on the Sen, The Journey of a Conspiracy Analyst, author C.L. Hendman ties conspiracy theories, mystery, irony, and romance into this stimulating novel that masterfully interweaves the past with the present. Available on Amazon and Kindle and at bookstoreonthesen.com. That's S-E-I-N-E dot com. Bookstoreonthesen.com. You're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. As our listeners know, I do not have an Apple Watch. It is not on my radar. Not just because it starts at $300 or so. It's that I have a $12.88 Walmart watch that probably will need a new battery in a couple of months, and Walmart charges me five seventy-five for the battery, and then maybe I'll splurge. Twelve eighty-eight, get a new watch. Whatever. Either way, the watch works fine. It's a little fast, like a second or two a month. I'll live with it. It's fine. So Apple supposedly had a record quarter of Apple Watch sales. Of course, we don't know what that number is. I've heard one estimate 5.2 million, and the previous year it was 5.1 million. So it's kind of like the Mac. The number of units are in the Mac range, and the increase is in the Mac range, though it's a much, much cheaper product. I now, wouldn't call that an increase in the sense that the product mix is different because remember, in the previous year, they were selling that very expensive. Apple Watch Edition, the $10,000 one? I think they sold about 25 of them, and the rest of them they gave away to all their millionaire friends and celebrities and stuff. Okay, they gave it away to the Trump cabinet. Ba-boom. Anyway, the thing here is that nobody bought it, so they decided to be more practical. They were experimenting with what this was going to be. And I think so far the market says fitness right now. Apple owns that market. Because the competition is fading. What do they do with it? Well, first of all, I'm surprised that Fitbit's not doing well because they have the advantage of simplicity. You you buy a Fitbit device, it's not expensive except for their sort of watch-like device that they have. I don't remember, is it the Flex Plus or the something, the, the biggest one they have now? It's really ugly. It looks like a pebble. But you buy Fitbit because you just basically want to track things. You buy the Apple Watch because you either want to track things and you have more money or you want to use apps. Now, very few people that I've talked to about this, and I don't know anyone here who owns an Apple Watch, but you know, among my colleagues, very few people use apps at all. Most of them just use fitness tracking and notifications and use it as a watch. And when I was using my Apple Watch, which I'm not anymore, I did have a weather app on it, but that was the only third-party app I had. I think It was a solution in search of a problem. Other companies had made these devices and Apple said, let's do it. And yes, so they refocused on the fitness thing. But people who run a lot, they don't really use the Apple Watch. They'd rather use something like a Garmin watch, which has GPS, or there's a couple other brands that that have them. It's not a compelling enough device. They don't, while, while they're selling them because it's an Apple product and it looks cool, I think that's just not going to last very long. Personally, I don't think it looks cool, but for a lot of people it does. I don't read about it. There's no buzz about it. You know, even in the Mac press, there's very little buzz unless, okay, new version of software or beta just came out of the next software version. 
but no one's writing about it. No one's saying, here's all these great things you can do with it. It seems to just sort of be hanging out someplace alongside the, the many Apple products and features that have been announced to great fanfare and then just get forgotten. I do think Apple's still working on a direction there. Obviously, they use it as a technology basis for developing the touch bar, the processor, the system on a chip, the OS. So they are using it elsewhere within the company. But even now, I think it doesn't go anywhere until it takes on either more health-related functions or gets a cellular radio. Well, there aren't too many health-related functions that it could take on. Um, I know that it is possible to do blood glucose testing. You could probably get a couple of more health metrics, but you can't get blood pressure with a device like that. There's not that much you can do right now. Aside from the the, the glucose measurement, um, I know someone who has type 1 diabetes. So he's currently working with a sort of a thing that he puts on. It's a patch he puts on his arm. He changes it once a month. I think it works with Bluetooth. He holds his phone or something up to it to read it and it gets the data. So this is really good. It, it means he has to do skin pricks less often. So if they could do that, it would make a difference for those people with that specific illness. But there aren't that many health uses for it. It, it just seems like a solution in search of a problem. You know, we grew up with Dick Tracy and, and, and the wrist phone, and it's like everyone, even in the 70s and the 80s, when we started getting digital watch, we're thinking, oh, it would be great to make phone calls. But it doesn't matter anymore. It's not that great. You got a, you got a phone with you. And now, as you said, if you had a cellular radio, perhaps it would be more interesting. You'd have to pay for that cellular contract. Um, maybe that you'd get a bundled contract for a phone and a watch, right? Um, but it still adds cost to it. Well, you don't have one, but making a phone call on an Apple Watch isn't very practical. Um, it has uh, to be totally voice-driven. You'd have to have a Bluetooth headset. No, you can speak work. to the Apple Watch. It's got a microphone no, I and know a very that. small speaker. But it looks awkward. It's like you look on the TV, calling Dick Tracy, calling Dick Tracy, stick your wrist up to your face. Well, the only I, times I've done it was when I was walking around the house and my iPhone was in my office and I wasn't. And all of a sudden my watch rang and I've picked up calls. It's very uncomfortable. You, you shouldn't be holding your arm up for you know a long time to talk into it. That's um, why I said Bluetooth headset. Like AirPods. And have Siri be the primary means by which you use it. You don't look at the thing. You never look at it. You do it with the Bluetooth headsets. doesn't matter whether it's the AirPods or something less expensive and Siri. Well, so that brings me back to the point that if you've already got the phone, you don't need the watch to do it. So the only advantage to this would be that you would be able to use the Apple Watch without having an iPhone. Now, one of the reasons that Apple tied it to the iPhone was for apps and data and all that, and it makes all sort of sense. But people who use Android phones can't use the Apple Watch. So if they were to make an Apple Watch with a separate cellular radio, people with Android phones and those seven people who still have Windows phones would be able to use it. You have to get this updated. It's not seven, it's six. It could increase sales, but I'm just not convinced that this whole smartwatch market is a market. I think Apple sees the Apple Watch five years from now and sees potential. And we don't see it now because it's not indispensable. To me, it's not needed. That's why I'm not buying one other than the cost. But if I had a spare 300 bucks lying around, the last thing I'd do with it would be buying an Apple Watch. I have no need for it. You have one and you're not using it because you do not see at this point that's indispensable for you. 
and yeah. it's early in the game. And the question is here, what is Apple's long-range plan? Do they just bring it out because people are bringing it out? No, because they would have brought out VR goggles too for the same reason because others are doing it. There is a long-range plan. In the meantime, they're taking the technology and redeploying it elsewhere like they're doing with the MacBook Pro and the Touch Bar. We don't know. We're just going to have to see what the next one's going to contain, see where Apple takes it. But it's not going to disappear. As long as sales are constant or slightly increasing, it's not going away. Kirk McElhern, where can we find more of the stuff you do? You can visit my website, Kirkville. It's at www.kirkville.com. And you can find me on Macworld, where I write about iTunes and many other things. You can find us on Twitter. Really, really and truly, you can find us on Twitter if you look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You also can check out my presence on Facebook where I still have that red plaid shirt. And you see the guy wearing the red plaid shirt with the blue eyes and the brown hair with a speck of gray in there. That's me. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week on the Powercast, we have a genuine curmudgeon who specializes in looking at UFOs. His name is Don Ecker. And he's been around the game for a long, long time. And he's always a lot of fun to hear from Don Ecker on the Paracast at Paracast.com. We also have a great way for you to support this radio show. And the best way to do it is to subscribe to Tech Night Owl Plus. To learn more, go to plus, P-L-U-S dot And that's plus dot We give you simple instructions on how to sign up for Tech Night Owl Plus. The prices start at just $1.49 a week, which means it's about half or less the price of a Starbucks coffee. Give up the coffee, subscribe to Tech Night Out Plus, support this radio show. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot There you go. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Jim. is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.